Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Signed Swedish defenseman Callie Rosen and Andreas Borgman. Guys, what are your thoughts on the two signings? Uh, Jake, why don't you start things off here? What do you think about them since you're the prospect guru for us? Obviously, the two guys they signed, Andreas Borgman and uh, Callie Rosen, they're you know they're they're similar in in ways, but they're also very different. Obviously, uh, Borgman's a little younger; he's 21, and Rosen is 23. Uh, Rosen played or, uh, Rosen played for the Vax Joe Lakers, I'm pretty sure, and Borgman played for HV71, who won the SHL title. Sorry, and you know he had a really good year. Borgman did playing for HV71. He was actually the rookie of the year in the Swedish league. And he also had an incredible playoff where he was pretty much a point per game defenseman, which is which is really impressive, especially for you know under twenty three defensemen uh, in European leagues. And you know he, from what I've seen from him, I, I haven't watched too many clips of him, but he's supposed to be the the more talented of the two. Uh, he's got much more upside, and they think he can be you know maybe a a number five defenseman, a guy who can you know play both ways and and is a really good skater. And, but meanwhile, on the other edge of the sword is, uh, you know, Callie, I think it's Roseanne, but, you know, I, we'll figure that out when people bring it up on Twitter, I'm sure. But uh, Roseanne, that, you know, I was listening to Bob McKenzie today and he was talking about him and, and you know, he was just saying how he's a really good two-way defenseman who can, who can skate the puck well. He doesn't have great foot speed, but he's a guy who can definitely, you know, move the puck and can skate himself out of trouble. Uh, but you know, the, the main, uh, subtraction on his game is that he's really inconsistent. And that's something that, uh, before he got to Vax Joe, who was the number one rated team in the Swedish league, he was, he didn't really have any stats to back up his play. And, and, you know, obviously he was playing top pairing minutes with Philip Holm, another guy who's potentially could be signing with the Leafs and they had a really good year, but yeah, I mean, both of them look like they're going to start with the Marlies and, there's a chance for them to be NHL defensemen, but you know, at this point, I think the Leafs are just trying to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks because you know, it's going to be very rare for them to hit yet another home run like they did with the Zaitsev signing last year. 
Well, the thing with both of them is they're left-handed, so that doesn't fix the right-handed issue that people uh, love to point out. Callie Rosen's had some concussion issues in the past. Are you guys at all concerned about that? Well, um, if you look back to, like, for example, last year in the in the Marlies' uh, playoff run, when um, Andreas Johnson uh, played his first game, he got totally laid out, and after then he ended up with a concussion. So, if um, and obviously we all know that if uh, once you get a one concussion, then you maybe maybe privy to a second one. So, um, I guess I guess when he gets uh, to the North American ice uh, next season, uh, he'll probably have to adjust to the smaller ice, obviously, and the quicker and the quicker pace and that that type of thing. So. Uh, in terms of being concerned about a concussion, um, obviously you always are concerned about any type of injury, not just concussion. It is, it is kind of, it is something to pay attention to. But if you know, if he has a hockey sense and that everyone's talking about and, and rallying about, then hopefully he'll be able to play in a way where he won't be uh, caught into that type of position. Yeah, we saw last year with Zaitsev, obviously being a 25-year-old rookie, that things worked out really well. That's not always the case with defensemen because a lot of people like to point towards, you know. Once you get past 25, well, hit 25 and get older as a defenseman, your development, eh, it, it gets really iffy from there on out. It's subjective in itself, arguing about that, but are you at all concerned about that with a guy like Rosen, that he might be kind of capped out potential-wise? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, as you said, defensemen take a little longer to develop. Uh, I mean, the Leafs are, are, pre, are in a pretty good spot right now with a guy like Travis Dermott, and I'm, gonna, I'm sure we're going to talk more about him. You know, being... You know, in his first full season of professional hockey, and many are saying he's ready to go into the NHL next season. So, I think you know, age. We we shouldn't be too concerned about the age. We should be more concerned about, as Omar was saying, how he adapts, because that's usually what harms the European defenseman coming to the NHL is their ability to adapt to the smaller ice surface, to the, just the difference of the game, the more physical nature of the NHL. So I think that's where you have to be a little more more cautious. But I'm, I mean, you saw the way that some of the Swedish players on the team, like you know, Janssen has been able to. I mean, he's finally starting to put up some production with the Marlies. You know, Nylander didn't seem to be bothered by, you know, the change changes from Sweden to the NHL. So I, I'm less concerned about that. I'm just more concerned about. The concussions can can be a little worrisome, especially we see in the AHL. If he plays in the AHL, that's not a league where players are protected in any way from the physical game. It's actually probably a lot worse there than in the NHL, with a guy like Jake Dodgson just allowed to roam free and crushing people. So that's where the concern is. At the same time, you can't argue with getting defensemen for free when you're just paying cap space and contract space. You're not giving up anything. I think there's not. Not a huge risk taken by the Leafs here. Okay. Uh, Financial-wise, they didn't release the terms or anything like that. It's just two-year entry level. I'd assume, based on what we've seen in the past, it's going to be a million dollars or less contract for each player, loaded with bonuses. If they can meet those, they'll make more money. But fair to say that, guys, that the contract will likely work out somewhere around there. Yeah, definitely. If you're if you're, if you're always um, picking another player from a league and then bringing them over, it's definitely going to be a 925, similar to Zaitsev. Obviously, we're not um, saying that there's Zaitsev level. Um, like, uh, like to get uh, to get a free agent that's uh, that talented and Zaitsev and bring him over is is one thing. So it's so we can't assume that every single player that the Leafs that the Leafs signed um, in Europe or whatever is going to be going to be that good. But a 925 is probably what it's going to be. Just, just a matter of time before it gets announced. 
Okay, another guy that the Leafs have been, I don't want to say linked to because they haven't really been linked to him, but it's been suggested as an option is uh, Darren Radish of the Erie Otters. Obviously, his brother plays for the Lightning. Well, he doesn't play for the Lightning. He's in the organization. But um, is he actually an option for the Leafs guys, or is this kind of just throwing names at the wall? I think it's throwing names at the wall. I think the biggest team that he was linked to was uh, the Vancouver Canucks because God knows they can need all the help they can get. So, I mean, if people look if people look at him, he's an undrafted overager. So obviously, he's free to any to sign with any team. He's a right-handed, big, big, strong defenseman. Exactly what people think the Leafs need. So they're obviously going to link him. Whether or not, I mean, people have talked about concerns of you know overagers and whether they you know playing against younger competition. The OHL kind of kind of puts them on a bit of a different pedestal and maybe they're just being overhyped. I mean, at the same time, you can't... You, you take no risk in just signing a guy and giving him an opportunity. You know, he's a guy that can go in with the Marlies if they do sign him and if he doesn't make the Marlies team, he goes down to the ECHL. So, there's no there's no risk of signing these guys. It's just who's looking at them and as is the case with, I guess, the Swedish guys and as Bob McKenzie, <clears throat> I, I listened to that segment too, Jake. He pointed out that many of these defense were looking at the Leafs uh, defense, and they're saying there's so much opportunity. Like it's it's a great opportunity for these guys. Might as well. The forwards not so much. They're now realizing there's a log jam that you know it's pretty uh, jam packed. So I think if you're a Leafs, you know if you're the Leafs, any defenseman that you can get your hands on, you're especially the younger ones. You're you're going after them. Well, Dave, you mentioned the overagers and people not always being a fan of that. Um, Jake, the other argument I've heard with the overage players, you know, you're older than everybody, so you should be ripping it up. How much do you value an overage player, or do you think they're kind of a bit overrated? Uh, I think they're overrated, personally. I mean, he's. I think Darren Radish is 21. He's playing with 16-year-olds, against 16-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would expect – he's also playing on the OHL champions, so it's not like – it's not like he's playing with a bunch of scrubs out there. Um, you know, I don't – I just don't see the hype. I mean, there's a reason he wasn't drafted, and I just think they have better players in their in their, uh, in their their prospect depth right now. I mean, he's pretty decent size. I think he's 6'1", like 200 pounds or something like that. But he's never been a great skater. I mean, yeah, he put up some good points, but, you know, he was – this is his fifth year with the Erie Otters. And, you know, he's he got 81 points this year and ripped it up in the playoffs. But I don't know. It, 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 he doesn't scream potential top four defenseman. He seems oh, like no. a fringe six yeah. guy who I don't even think has a has a, the skill set to play in the NHL. I, I don't know. I just don't see it, especially for, you know, overagers who haven't been drafted. I mean. Remember the last big Eriot or undrafted guy that went to the Vancouver Canucks? I believe it was Dane Fox. Who the hell is he? Where is he? He played with Connor McDavid. He had like 130 points. He was this highly rated overager that they picked up. And I don't I don't even know if he's even in the AHL. So, I mean, that's, that's, what, I, uh, that's what I would have to say about it. Especially guys, because... The guys that are overagers and are undrafted and are free agents, you know, if you're a good overager and you're, you know, say you're 18 or 19, you're getting drafted. Look at Adam Brooks. I mean, he got drafted, and you know, a bunch of other guys who are overagers, they generally get drafted in the second and the second time that it can go through. So when you're getting passed up by 
teams seven times by 31, 31 different teams, there's clearly something wrong with your game. And I'm looking up Dane Fox had zero points in the AHL, one point in the AHL, and is in for the Missouri Mavericks in the ECHLs. And he had 107 points in the OHL. So That's Tyler Biggs, Jake for Tannen type numbers you're talking right there. Oh, God. Don't <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, so Jake, what's the difference between him and when Philadelphia signed Philippe Myers after last year's draft? In this well, Philippe Myers, Philippe Myers is 19. He's two years younger. Was he? Okay. Well, he then... played for the under-20 team. Yeah. Okay, that does make sense. That was so that's a big difference. Would you value an NCAA defenseman more than, let's say, an overager, Jake? I heard that out of the... Yeah, because, because, yes, because you're playing against older kids. You're generally, you're playing, if you're 21 or 23 in the, in the NCAA, you're playing against kids that are 21, 23 in your age bracket. The OHL is, I think, a better skilled league. But I think the harder league to play in and rip up is the NCAA's. I mean, it's just because there's so many 16 and 17 year olds in the league. It's just if if you're, he has players on his team where he's five or six years older than them. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And the NCAA's, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, but he's going to at least be an 18 year old kid who's draft eligible or is drafted already. So it's a big difference. I think like the quality of of hockey is obviously better in the OHL, but I I personally would prefer um, a person to develop in the NCAA if you're trying to get them to play in the NHL quicker because I think you can go in, you get a workout, get bigger and stronger because you're not playing a hundred games a year, you're only playing about forty, and you get a you know kind of live your lifestyle that you would as a pro. You got responsibilities of going to classes and stuff like that. Now I'm not taking anything away from the CHL. I think it's a great league, but that's just that's personally my point of view. That's just you the want, reality, man. You just want to go in and and you're going to get bigger and stronger because you're working out every other day because you're not on the ice every day of the week. You're not playing four games a week. You're only playing on weekends. Okay, so I guess this is our long-winded way of all four of us saying we'd pass on Darren Radish, or would you even just add him for organizational depth? I'd invite him to at least invite him to like the prospect camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, but it's like no, I wouldn't go. Uh, out, I wouldn't go out of my way to try to go out of my way to sign him. I mean, there's it's not like you're gonna offer. Every team's gonna offer him the same thing. It's just which team is willing to take a chance on him. And I, I mean, the Leafs don't necessarily have to. It's just, it's just I think it's telling that he is supposedly the best. Um, available young defense prospect who's up for upper grabs for free, and the only team that I've heard with interest Canucks. is is the Canucks, and they're one of the worst. They're arguably the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Well, especially okay, when let's... The, yeah, when it comes to talent evaluation too. Not exactly. exactly. I don't know. I just I don't see it personally. Yeah, they're like an organizational overhaul. The Canucks. So, <laughs> circling back to the Leafs defense, though, something that happened obviously since the last time we were on the air was Nikita Zaitsev signed a long term deal. Seven years, boatload of money, 32 and a half. Um, I think we've talked about that at length on the site, so I won't get into it too much. But what it does do is it tells us that Riley, Gardner, and Zaitsev are pretty much the three long-term pieces now on the Leafs' blue line. Is there anybody else you guys see possibly joining them? I mean, Travis Dermott's been a name discussed. or Is there anybody, or is it still kind of uh, question marks all around? Yeah, I think in terms of the long-term plan, uh, at, at, and for right now we're going to have to keep it at those three, like, 
if we're looking at the other three defensemen on the Leafs, then there's no way in hell. Like, Connor Carrick, it's been okay, but no. Alexi Marchenko, Marchenko, no. And Martin Marinson, no. If, if I ever see him in a Leafs jersey, I will literally flip every single table I can see. So, and then <laughs> when you're going down to the, to the Marlies, probably just like like you said, Chris, like the the big two defensive prospects are Dur- are Dermot and, and Nielsen, and you know from what other people have said, including Bob McKenzie on Overdrive, that he sees uh, Travis Dermot making the team out of camp. So, um, the only issue I see is is also another thing you brought up, and also we talked about on the site is that so many lefts, like you're looking at our big three: Gardner, Riley, and Zaitsev. Two lefts, two lefts, and a right. You know, Travis Derman, Andrew Nielsen, both both lefts. You know, the two the, the two defensemen we signed out of Sweden today, both lefts. So I think definitely in this upcoming draft, as well as the offseason and possibly in the future, the Leafs are going to have to address that right-handed problem, especially if they want to continue with Babcock's tendency to have a left defenseman on the left side and a right defenseman on the right side, which obviously isn't isn't um, exclusive to Toronto. Like, obviously other teams do that too, but, but Babcock seems to have a very... Uh, very keen liking to it so if he wants to keep continue with that and then he could but continue to bring up young talent on the on the back end then getting young def, young defensemen who can shoot right is going to be a priority for the team going forward well you mentioned they're very slim with right-handed options and i mean when you look at the free agent market or even the trade market it's pretty slim too this is something that we've talked about at length off the air about how you know well who do you get like who do you go get that's actually right-handed Anybody that's actually realistic, guys. I know people love to throw out the unicorn potential D-men out there, but it's like, come on, let's let's get realistic. Any names on the UFA? Yeah, that's a UFA. That's not Kyle Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Babcock's boy. I know it's your nemesis, Jake. You can't stand him, but uh, honestly, I don't even know. I I mean, Michael Stone. That's about it. See, but yeah. the fact that it takes you guys this long to think about it, it yeah. just tells you how bad the right-handed shot market is, right? Like, it's yeah. it's not even it's not even a Leafs problem. It's it's, it's a, a league problem. problem. Yeah. I think I think it's lefty to righty is probably sixty-five percent. It's like in basketball, how many guys shoot left? It's or shoot with their left hand. I mean, usually your people are right-handed dominant, and your right hand goes on the top top of your stick. So that's how you that's how I shoot. So. Yeah, like like the obviously the big fish in this year's off season is Kevin Shattenkirk, and me and Dave were talking about this off off air. Like, like he's Chad, a righty, but yeah, no, but he's not. I don't want out. him. Yeah, yeah, like like he shouldn't. He like we don't need him, and and he's gonna he's gonna ask for way too much money than than one that he deserves, and that the least can afford that the least can afford to get. And like we're we're joking, saying that probably the only two teams that he might go to go to were like Colorado and Edmonton, right? So, like. I guess it just shows like you can't rely on on the on the free agency for those right shot defensemen. So I guess you're gonna have to do what what um what Anaheim does and just you know draft well. Like I think uh, me and Dave were talking about this again that like that their the top their top six that are playing right now in the playoffs are old draft picks where four of them are first round picks. So at least you're gonna have to you know take notes from them and you know and uh, use that moving forward. The other thing that's kind of puzzling. With all this, is where do you play Morgan Riley the next year? Is it a pretty much foregone conclusion that he's going to play in his offhand again? I think it's, you have to. I think it's it, mm-hmm. you have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with Jake. It's like I, I think they're going to try to trade for a defense partner for Riley. I think that's I think that's where they're heading if they want to get a top four D D man this summer. 
and it's probably going to be a guy that's going to play with Riley. And I think they'll look at right-handed options. I think those will be the most expensive, so they could then just ask Riley, or I mean, not even ask them. They're going to tell Riley, "You're playing your off, your offside again." And I think we've seen it. That he's done it many times before. Uh, I'm pretty sure when Matt Hunwick was his defense partner in the playoffs, he did it all series against Washington. He did it all series. So he's and you know what? And he didn't play bad. Like that series against Washington was probably his best hockey I've seen him play all season. So is it a big problem for him? Like we're not talking about Dion Phaneuf playing his offside. We're talking about Morgan Riley, who has more talent, better skating. You know, he he's a guy that's going to rely on his skating more than his just trying to dump the puck out. So I think. I like the idea of Riley playing his offside just because there's nowhere else you can go to find a top-pairing right-handed defenseman unless you trade for it. And we all know if you're trading for it, who's going to be the one that every team's going to ask for? It's going to be William Nylander. And that's going to be a big no. Yeah, I don't. I think Nylander's completely off the table, especially that he's eligible for an extension this offseason. Mm, I'd lock him I up. Don't, yeah, I'd lock I think we all we were all yeah. saying we'd lock him up. <laughs> Seven years... Like seven years, seven mil. I think that's more than fair. Would you guys not agree? When you look at it in the long term picture of what it's going to equate to over what? Uh, if, I'm then, the I, if I'm then, if I'm then, I would, I would hurry up. <laughs> I yeah. mean, watching the World Championships, they're yeah. not helping themselves. Yeah. Well, they they can't until I think it's June first is the date. Yeah, until but they as can, soon as he gets 1. back from so from from uh, Paris, yeah, I, I you sit him down I, and I, say I, like, I, let's I, talk. Like, I'd be like, stop playing hockey. Go go eat some donuts. Get fat. <laughs> so we can. Uh, so Your cost has way too much damn money. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. Although Mike Bowman. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's getting eight years. That's obvious. Yep. I think six and a half over eight. It would be pretty hard to turn down 50, 50 plus million dollars for a twenty-one-year-old. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I, I would hope. I mean, it's worked out. I would look at that Goudreau contract. I believe he got six and a half over eight, and that would be my comparable for him. I'd do the same thing with Marner, too. Yeah, see, to build off that point, like, since Nylander is going to be the first of the big three to be signed, his whatever he makes is going to be, like, the foundation for what Marner and Matthews make. Yeah. So if we do so, if so, if we're doing a six point five for for Nylander, then okay, then maybe Marner will get like a six seven five or a seven because we already know Matthews is going to get like eight nine or something eight. like that. Yeah, yeah. he's in the class like easily, right? Yeah. So like you can't yeah. give like you can't go off and then give Nylander like eight or nine. Okay, then you're screwed. Then you're gonna have to give Matt Matthews like ten. So I think they really have to be careful and and make sure that whatever contract they get they give Nylander is going to be a, an appropriate foundation for what they give the other two later on. Let's get you brought up a bit here, Jake. Someone I've seen off uh, you know, forums and other places is, hey, if you can't sign them long-term, just bridge them. Give oh, me your thoughts wow. on bridge deals. Oh, my God. They're for idiots. <laughs> Do you want to explain why? Works so well with, with the Montreal Canadiens. Exactly. Yeah, you have to – when you're building teams – you have to make gambles. You know, one of the teams in the finals right now, or the conference finals. Look at the look at the Nashville Predators. Matthias Ekholm makes four million dollars. Roman Yossi makes four and a half million dollars. He might. I would pay him nine. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. he would get that on the open market, easy. Yeah. Oh, look at look at the deals that they've signed long term with their really good players. You know why they don't give a shit about having P.K. Subban make $9 million? 
because him and Yossi make probably 12 million combined and they're probably worth that combined. Yeah. And then like the whole, like, like, like a point that people try to try to bring up is that like, okay, you know, just give him a bridge deal and after then it'll, it'll extend. And then, you know, maybe like, we'll, we'll actually see what kind of player he, player he is like going back to what Jake said, Jake said in the Montreal um, example, when Subban's deal was up, he wanted like eight or nine million, and told them that. And Bergeron was like, "Oh no, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna bridge you, okay." So it was like two point something, like a two point seven five or something like that. Yeah, over two years. Yeah, and then what happens? Two years later, he wins a Norris. Okay, give me my nine million. So like, there's no point. Just like just like to Jake's point, just you know, if you believe in that player, if you believe in their skill, and they're a part of your future, then sign sign the guy, and then. You know, just, and just don't don't worry about the consequences because, like for example, like last year, people were going crazy when they when uh, we saw that Kadri was going to make four point five. They're like, "Oh my god, that's way too much for a third line center." Okay, yeah, thirty two goals. It looks pretty good now. So, just no sign. Yeah. So size like that's a risk. To, yeah, same with same with uh, Riley. He's, yeah, he's what seven years right or six? Are he's, they both he's six, six years? He no. So Riley's six years at five per and. Kadri got uh, six years at four and a half per. Yeah, that is a beautiful deal. If he can, well, assuming he continues playing. Well. Another good example of a team that, you know, kind of an opposite polar example is Edmonton, when they had all those first overall picks, and they signed them all to long extensions. Those that's where the gamble can not pay off. You have Jordan Eberle making six million a year. You had Nugent Hopkins making six million a year. I think the only one that really deserved it was Taylor Hall making the six million per year. And then they traded him. And then they ended up trading him. So it kind of defuncts what they were trying to do there. So there is like for some teams, yes, it make it definitely makes sense when you have a guy like PK Subban, you know, William Nylander there performing at a really high level and you know that they're gonna be able to perform at that level forever or as long as you think they can. When it comes to the Oilers and you know the Everly I guarantee they would want to redo Everybody's a pylon. Nobody will even take that guy anymore. He's exactly. just junk. So, no, and and I totally agree that if you're the Leafs, Nylander's getting the full eight. Matthews is getting the full eight, and so is Marner. They're all getting eight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the Blackhawks knew that they were going to have to sign Keith and Taves. Did they? Oh, oh! imagine if they didn't sign yeah. Keith. Yeah. Keith. I makes think like, he what, makes five? like five and a half million dollars. Three, yeah. He should make ten. Five, three, and, yeah. And Kane that's, as well, so... Well, can't, okay, that's like they're that's like a market value thing because yeah. they thought the cap was going up, which it it will, it, it will go up. It just hasn't the US TV deals up in a year or two. They just they got screwed a little bit because they thought uh, with the Canadian TV deal, but um, obviously the Canadian dollar is not holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah, thank, but, yeah, thank you um, guys for that one, Jake. <laughs> but the US TV deal is coming up, and it's probably going to double. So the cap's going to go up probably you know five to five to ten million over the next five uh, five years. So you know those are going to even out over time, obviously yeah. with inflation and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, you you definitely want to get them in early now. So you're getting them in through their prime. So you're probably going to have to pay them another second contract, but that's going to be when they're you know twenty eight in that range, which is fine. Like just so yeah, the good thing now is the Leafs have yeah. so many young guys that. You kind of want to maximize this ELC window, right? Mm-hmm. That's something we've heard at nauseum this whole season. But when you look at teams like like you guys just mentioned, the Hawks, the Penguins back when they had Crosby, like all these teams are maximizing ELC windows, and the Leafs are looking like they're going to do the same thing now, that they have an accelerated rebuild on their hands. The only thing different with the whole – I know everyone talks about the Duncan Keith contract. The main difference 
he was signed for 13 years. You can't do that. I'll anymore. still take that all day. I will definitely yep. take that deal all day. But that's the biggest difference now is that with the eight years, that eight years reduces, year, yeah, reduces yeah. you know, how much a player is going to make because you know, as soon as that contract is done, they may not make make the same amount of money. So I mean, but eight years is still a very boy, very long it, time. It is, yeah. very, but when we're Almost talking about but if we're talking about a twenty-two year old versus you know, it, it's a little different. I think I think when Keith signed his deal, it's like twenty-five or something or twenty-six. He, yeah, because he had signed a four, because he signed the four year a four year deal, and then he signed the thirteen year deal. So I mean, seventeen years that he's basically had a guaranteed contract for so well i think the days of uh, anybody at the age of 30 or older signing a five-year long-term deal with big money is done yeah. but like teams don't it'll, it'll happen do this off it's gonna happen yeah until it's gonna happen this offseason yeah i'm not saying it won't happen but i'm saying they're few and far between now i just i don't see a lot of teams committing to that long term look at all the issues that you're seeing now i mean look at washington for example you can make a pretty good case that ovechkin has slowed down so much that he's no longer worth his deal I don't. I just. I don't think teams are going to want to lock in long term to these kind of guys. I know he signed the contract when he was younger, and this they the say that, pay, but they but... will come June one. They complain about the years and all that stuff, but then they keep throwing out this stupid money to average players. Happens all the time. This Hansel will probably season. get six years. Oh, Bergevin is just waiting to pick up that phone, and he's yeah. like, "Hey guys, <laughs> look what I did. Look at six we got years." A well, it's funny you mentioned centers because the other part that's an issue for the Leafs is oh. centers. Organizationally, the depth for centers is uh, so bad that Colin Greening is playing center for the Marlies. He's been doing that all year. I mean, credit to the guy for actually doing that. But you go down the list of who they have, and, man, it's not very good. Especially now Frederick Goche is set to miss an extended period of time. Thank you, Jake Could be out as long as, what, November, December even. like Maybe even the new year if things don't go as well in rehab. So, yeah, like that. Is there anybody overseas, guys? Anywhere, like, anything? We, no. We, like, actually, Omar and I were researching and we're trying to find guys. And what we're, we we couldn't believe, like, there's, like, nothing out there. Like, there's, there may be something out there. We just don't see it. I mean, there was one guy available, and it was Shippashov, and he's Vegas. in Vegas now. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the only guy. Yeah, like, I think that that's what makes the, the, you know, the goat injury even worse is that, like, he was probably the one person that you could see, you know, if you, you know, if you worked hard over the summer. Jake hates when I say this. If you had an NHL summer, you know, <laughs> worked on his skating, then then he then that fourth line spot was probably his to grab. But like now, now that he's injured. He's not going. He's probably not going to be able to skate until like October or September at the earliest. And like now, who, like who do we have? Like Vegas isn't taking Ben Smith. I don't. I still. I still don't. Like I understand why they signed him to the one year deal because you know you want. I don't. Okay, from, <laughs> from my understanding, is that they're probably going to protect Matt Martin because in some region of their conscience or whatever, they feel that Vegas might might take him because his $2.5 million contract isn't protection enough, but whatever. So now we have Ben Smith signed to another year, and you know if the Leafs don't, don't sign some kind of center in the offseason, you know, be it Brian Boyle or... Or I don't know Joe Thornton if you want to if you want to go crazy then it's gonna be Ben Smith and and you know like I th- honestly think that like the the, um, the least like depth center problem is like definitely guaranteeing Adam Brooks getting an entry level contract this season and he's gonna go right to the Marlies so yeah and and how many teams are just gonna be unloading centers at the in, like you can't go out and trade for one I mean. 
you maybe have to maybe there's a team that's trying to you know cap dump someone but I mean you look at the free agency list Brooks like ain't coming back uh, Joe Thorne is an attractive option but I don't I think San Jose is bringing him back um, like Daniel Winnick is a guy that's out there like there's nothing like that that says okay he'll be a good fourth I mean we're also talking about the fourth line we're not talking about a guy that's going to fill your second line mm-hmm. but it's still like the way that the Leafs operated the season that fourth line center like especially with Brian Boyle in the playoffs he played some you know significant uh, minutes you so, want to get a good fourth line player for pretty much free go call Chicago you can get Marcus Kruger for probably nothing yeah no. that's true but I, I mean and the one thing the least you have that's to the benefit is cap space which they should really try and maximize now I mean I wouldn't have a problem with them throwing two years, eight million a year at like Radulov or something. Wow, wow. I think it'll take a little more than that, but I get what you're saying. I mean, you don't think you'd save sixteen million dollars over two years? Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you meant two eight. I was like, no way. No, no. Two sixteen, yeah, that makes yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. The thing with the Leafs too, it's a good benefit for them. For you guys talking about trades, is they're glut of wingers. Yes, wingers are the easiest to get, but at the same time, the Leafs have some pretty high-end guys that they can move around yeah. if they're willing to go that route. And you, oh, they you have to. The teams, yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, you look at some of the teams, too, that could potentially be rebuilding, that has what they need. Um, look at Detroit. I mean, we can laugh about this all we want. It was a, a linked rumor during the deadline that the Riley Sheehan and all that. Let's just say their price comes down to an actual realistic price. He could be somebody they get as a fourth-line center if they whiff on Brian Boyle. Mike Green's there. If they can't get anybody in the D market to play, that's a right-handed D. Like there, there's pieces around the league that they can definitely go get. Jason Garrison, if Tampa's still trying to shed cap space, like there's there's names out there. They're not very flashy, but they're possibilities. Uh, the last thing I want to do is help Tampa Bay shed cap space. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that was somebody and, they inquired about. And Jake would reportedly, agree, so. Jake would greatly uh, agree with that one. Yeah, great. Jason Garrison, another guy that can't skate. I know, man. I'm just. That's why I, he didn't make any sense when I saw the report either, like during the deadline. But these are names that have been thrown out there, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, a few minutes ago. The right-handed D market is awful. Yeah, it is. is. You got to draft it, and yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think obviously they're going to go best player available. I see more value in a centerman currently because there's so many. That could go anywhere from five to set to fifteen. Well, hold up, hold up. We'll, we'll do a draft podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> you get on here and spew all your draft stuff. You know, poor Austin. Give it all the way one. I'm not bringing up names. I'm just saying this. There's always matter. a lot of poor good Austin centers. doing all this work on the draft, and Jake's trying to steal his thunder in one night. <laughs> hey, that was Jake's show. Uh, you know, that was Jake's little roadie. He he'll be back. Return oh, yeah. of the Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we got to give Jake a lot of time to prepare for this one. Because this might be one of the hardest drafts to predict what's going to happen. I'm just going to wait. Oh, to flip oh the it's table. it's a top two and then a crapshoot. Yep. Hey, hey, hey! Draft podcast, save that. Jeez, you can't say anything <laughs> nowadays. I guess. <laughs> Chris is turning into the Leafs front office when it comes to managing the podcast. Don't say Upper anything. Body injury. Let's Did move you? on here. <laughs> uh, World Championships. Mitch oh, Marner, William Nylander. They've both put on an absolute show so far. Um, I know people want to see Backstrom and Elander team up in a in the blue and white uniform. Won't ever happen, but you know it's fun to think about because we're seeing how amazing they are in Sweden. And Mitch Barner is doing Mitch Barner things. Thoughts on yeah. it, guys? 
Yeah, did a did a nice little uh, Twitter poll up asking uh, which least player has impressed you the most at the Worlds. Uh, options were Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Philip Holm, and Miro Altonen. If you're asking why Callie Rosen wasn't an option because he didn't play, and um, at 55%, it was William Nylander, which is is obvious. Like, like he's been disgusting the whole like the whole tournament. Yeah, obviously Mitch Marner, uh, Mitch Marner has been playing really well, you know, especially um, this morning's game actually against um oh. yeah he just yeah, absolutely just... embarrassed finland no oh, that i don't think jack. it's i don't think it's obvious yeah. i i feel like they they've been these two have been aware of the results of your poll and they're just like oh you're gonna do this i'm gonna do that because they've <laughs> done pretty much tit for tat back and forth i mean nylander the day before scores two goals and then that and puts on an absolute clinic and then marner has probably one of the best first periods i've ever seen he had he had two goals in in the first I'm pretty sure yeah and he was just all over the place just dominated Finland I mean it's just it's just good to know that that those are your second and third best rookies see and not that, even rookies yeah. anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I, the the thing that's um I guess the best about this whole thing is that like when we first like knew that you know Nylander and Marner were, were going to go to the Worlds. Like, what did we all say? Like, oh yeah, this is good. You know, build off the rookie season you had. You know, get experience. You know, be around some true NHL players and stuff like that. And especially in terms of Nylander's case, I don't think we, I don't think anyone thought that he'd be a driving force on that team. Like, he's been like he's been like one of like the key contributors on that team, and and definitely like I, definitely the reason for any of their success. So I would have seen that. I mean, he was probably if you look at their roster, he was probably. One of the top three guys in terms of points. Well, you just look at Sweden as a whole. Just every player, Swedish player. Where does he rank among the forwards in terms of talent and skill? Probably two. Like, like that's yeah. so. Sweden is not as you know. There's very few players that are similar to Nylander now. Like they've kind of the way that they the makeup of their you know of their team is a lot different. I think Nylander is one of the few that reminds you of a like a old school Swedish player with the skill and the flash. Because a lot of them now are more, like if you look at a guy like Grundstrom, who's playing well with the Marlies, he's he's not exactly the flashiest guy. He's just a very smart, you know, he he's not afraid to be physical. So I think Nylander's just a different type of player for that team. I mean, he's, his skill is just off the wall. I mean, just seeing um, Babcock's reaction after, uh, I think it was, the, you know, one of the goals he scored early in the tournament off the, you know, I think it was like a partial break when he just sniped it. And Babcock's just like sm- like grinning like an evil grin like yeah yep, that's he, my player good he's, player he's ours for the you know <laughs> he's the least property for <laughs> foreseeable future sorry sorry Omar Jake is Jake is the champ when it comes to Babcock impressions yeah I can't do it I tried so <laughs> I mean yeah I mean it's a lot different situation between Neil and Martin Martin didn't come in as the uh, you know he he is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking at uh, a couple of comments here. At uh, is, do you mean the Preds game, Jake? Or the sorry, Jake is uh, is giving us some uh, insights. Yeah, knowledge. it's just Mike Babcock oh, is at the Predators versus Ducks game, so okay. maybe he's doing a little scouting or something. Okay, um, well, I would definitely believe that. Um, no, and I think Marner Marner had a had a bit of a tougher road to establish himself on Canada because he came in as the fourth line winger with Braden Point and Travis Konechny, who are good players, but they're not supposed to be the top players on uh, 
on Team Canada. I mean, he I think he the one of the goals he scored today um, today against Finland was a nice oh that pass from Shifley, the backhand pass spinning around and I mean that's probably one of the easier goals he scored, and then the toe drag, like that's the that's the Marner that I think we missed in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, the I think it was just you know having that break between the the playoffs and the tournament maybe gave him some rejuvenation, but that's the Marner you're hoping to see next season, you know, late in the late final stretch and in the playoffs. I mean, you could tell down the stretch he was clearly clearly wasn't healthy. Uh, obviously, the the mono really did make sense when Babcock said it, um, but. It looks like he's he's back to what he what we thought he was going to be um, going into the playoffs, and yeah, he's been absolutely killing it on that kid line with Braden Point and and Konechny. Like Braden yeah. Point's come out of nowhere, in my opinion. Just like ever since he was called up by the Lightning, I mean, he probably wouldn't have had the chance to showcase himself like he did if they didn't have the injuries that they did. So I I, I find Braden Point's being a, is a great story. I mean. Unfortunately, it's for Tampa Bay, who seems to get every single break you can think of. Um, but no, I, I enjoy that kid. I mean, he's had some shifts uh, on other lines too, and just the passes he's making, the plays he's making—it's you, you wonder how he's able to do it. I mean, the the having you know the European ice, more ice available to him, just helps with that. I think. Um, so I, you know, it's it's good to see Marner. Remind people that he's actually a good player for some people who are doubting him in the playoffs. Who was doubting him? The kid's 19. <laughs> and he was doubting him. He's to go, oh, man, just stop watching the games at that point. Seriously. <laughs> like, it's, it's, um, talk about the Marlies a bit, guys. Yeah. Seven-game series against the Crunch here. They're going to game seven, obviously. They're alive. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, you think they're dead. They just keep winning and just keeping this series going and going and going. One of the pleasant surprises, or what some would say is kind of like a turning point for them, was inserting Carl Grundstrom into the lineup. Yeah. Thoughts on how he's played so far, guys? He's been a beast. Praise I mean, Mark Hunter. He's a big, thick kid. I cannot believe how big he is. Look at his face. His <laughs> face looks like looks like the size of a chair. I mean, he's got he's definitely got some meat in his in his bones and in his face especially, but I mean, he's got we always knew he had that big wicked shot, but his presence on the power play and you know, in just setting net. up in mm. front of the net. He's kind of, he's kind of made that his little office, and he's been really impressive. Through, I think he's played about four games, and he's got maybe four or five points. Yeah, he's played five games. He has four points. So, um, I, I I saw an article on uh, some some Canucks website where they were talking about the Leafs, uh, what they could get if they traded Tanev, and everybody was just like, "What about that Grundstrom guy?" And it's like, <laughs> uh, no. so. So that's I guess it's nice that he's getting love from other fan bases, but yeah, he looks like he's gonna be a hell of a player. Yeah, just a reminder to Canucks fans, we're not the senators who decide to give up prospects for guys like Alexander Burroughs. Well, I I mean Tanov's at least a good player. I mean Burroughs <laughs> yeah. is absolute Well, bum. I mean I, I just had to take a little shot at both the Canucks and Senators in one in one sentence. You don't really get those opportunities all the time, so I mean do yeah. do we even have to take a shot at the the Canucks? Just look at them. <laughs> They have, what, 50 less points, and they're drafting 10 picks above us? Oh, I mean, no. come on. Yeah. Gotta love the job. One thing, one thing I will say about Grunstrom, Chris, is that 
as Jake said, his size. I mean, we talk about the Leafs wingers, and you know, you look at the prospect depth, and I mean, Jake, one of your one of your favorites, Jeremy Bracco, you know, kind of a smaller forward. This guy has got size, and he has skill, and he's not afraid to just get in those dirty areas. I think that that makes it kind of stamps stand has him stand apart from the other prospects. Um, whether he gets a realistic shot in the NHL, I don't. I mean. I think most will agree that the AHL is probably where he's going to be. So I would, I would, I would say that he. I've been very impressed with his debut, especially because he's he came right from Sweden. He was inserted into the lineup in the second round. I, I mean, he didn't play the first game, but I, it's because he came and they kind of had to get him signed to a contract before he can actually play. So I've been impressed with the way he's been able to come in and not get overwhelmed with the fact that he's playing in a different surface. You know, ice surface, and he's playing in the HL playoffs, which are no cakewalk. So I, I, he's probably been one of the more impressive players on the team. Um, but there have been a lot of uh, things to like about the way the Marlies are playing. Yeah, I mean, watching the games, Grunstrom does remind me of two guys a lot, especially when he's in front of the net. He reminds me of Thomas Holmstrom, the way he's just so tough to push off his spot, and he's so strong on his skates and everything. It's just he's just a beast in front of the net, and. Given his Leo. size and skill combination, yeah, I know Leo's the, the easy one here, but mm. he kind of has a little Johan Franz in his game too. Not huh. as skilled, but he's got a little bit of a little bit of that grit skill to his game that probably a little bit better than Leo Komarov, in my opinion. Didn't even make your way out of the country with that comparison, huh? Didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Set itself up too well. <laughs> yeah, um, guys, off the air. We talked a lot about this. Jake, you brought this up. I know you're pissed that Overdrive kind of stole your idea before you could mention it here. Best they trio did. in the NHL of three players. You know what? Floor is yours. Explain what it is. Yeah, I mean, I was I brought this up a week ago at least, uh, and I was I was thinking about it when I was watching the Oilers playing with Drysdale and McDavid, and I I asked you guys a question. I said, would you guys trade? Leon Dreisaitl, or, or trade our three young rookies, uh, Marner, Matthews, and Nylander for McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I, I thought about it. I obviously said I would do it because I think those two are just complete stars, and you're getting probably two of the best three players in that deal. Um, but it was just something where you can apply it to all of other teams across the league. And they were talking about it with, you know, a three pack of players to compare with the Leafs three. And uh, they were, they were, they brought up some interesting teams, teams that you didn't think. And you're like, wow, this team actually has some decent amount of talent. I mean, uh, you go around, you know, you got Tampa, you got Hedman, Stamkos and Kucherov. So, I mean, there's, there's tons of different teams, but I was thinking about it. There aren't many threesomes that I would deal those three for. And obviously the, the Oilers three, which I, they included um, Clef Bomb in there too, which I would definitely do. But it's just nice to know that there's we're uh, we're the envy of many teams, probably about twenty five or so. Well, yeah, if you rewind like no no two three years ago, you used to watch like other teams like come in and destroy their Leafs, and you'd see like a good player and be like, oh, uh, I wish the Leafs had a player like that. You know, like oh, I wish I wish the Leafs had a goaltender like that. Like oh. A nice save, goal, nice nice save, random goal out of nowhere, and now it's like now to watch to watch Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner and Willie Nylander and just like have the satisfaction in knowing like oh like there are there are is like you know this this trio we can see like going through like a, a long a long cup run 
you know, or um, an Eastern Conference Final, a Stanley Cup Final, or, or heck, even win the Cup. You know what I mean? I think you can actually see see it, and I think the beauty of it is is not even just them. There's a lot of other players too. You know, like going into the season, everyone was focusing on obviously Matthews and Matthews, Nylander, Marner again, but like other the other rookies, the other rookies, and like Anderson and and you know and and Babcock being able to manage manage all those players and, and get them to play play the right way. I think it's just I think it's just great to see that we can now place the Leafs in like and that they and more at least start to place the Leafs in that like elite elite kind of tier of NHL teams moving forward. So you know, great to see, great to live and yeah, I like I like my big three. Jake, you would actually take McDavid and Dry Saddle over the Leafs three. Yes. M- M- okay. oh, I mean McDavid's great. Dry Saddle's pretty good. Pretty good. I'd have to Man, they're yeah. really good. Yeah. Hey, 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 I'm saying pretty good, not just okay, like our good old boy Randy there. So, Dave, Dave Dreisaitl's the only reason that wasn't a sweep. I think he had he There's... had like 15 points in that series. Yeah, he had like what five points in that one game. So you you look at the the lines they have. I'm like, how the hell do they do that? That's how good those two are. Yeah. Because. Mm-hmm. McDavid had almost a point a game, and they're like, "Oh, he was invisible." <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's like he is basically the uh, they are being he's being watched by their entire team to the point where they just disregard Drysidle, who put up like 14 points in the series. I mean, that's incredible. And the problem for Edmonton, man, is you got that second line that's a barren wasteland for all playoffs. Second line? Everly, How about well, the third Newton line? Hopkins and Lucic. Yeah, I mean, but if you really want to pick on the line, making a lot of money. Yeah. You gotta do better. Oh, dude, doing. yeah, like nineteen point five between uh, Nuge, Everlay, and, and Lucic. They had one goal, but that it's was pathetic. a good deal, guys. That yeah, I just, I mean, if if it, if they actually had like non morons running their their team who could actually pick players, they would have probably won this year. Yeah, mm. people had them as a dark horse to win the cup, and I'm like. Look, I didn't see it personally, but you know they're obviously a very good team. They need to add to that team because I don't think they will ever win a championship if it's just those two. And what I saw was it was just those two. Well, what's yeah? Every, every almost every cup champion in the last how many years had depth? I mean, they had talk- none. Yeah, the Oilers don't have any. I mean, and maybe that's kind of what happened to Washington. They just didn't have the depth. In you know, other than you know, I guess the top two lines to keep the off- offense going. Like, I mean, Washington also just didn't score in a game seven. They're yeah, they're Washington a better choke, in, man. Yeah. Their defense yeah. is too slow and old, and they just. I'll take I'll take I'll take four lines over any of those two lines or yeah. two three four lines in the Oilers. I just think that's I what mean, the, that's what the Leafs are doing though. They're not relying on two two lines to drive everything. It's it's a four line team. It's a three pairing. Although it became two pairing very quickly in that series, that so that's that like the Leafs are not worried about getting one player, they're worried about getting guys for every single line. They're all going to contribute as one unit. Yeah, and I think uh, back to the point on depth. Um, Babcock on um, Dreger's Cafe in Paris said that um, that like he really admired um, Tampa how they had a whole bunch of a whole bunch of injuries and stuff, but their depth was able to keep them in keep them in the race until the end of the season. And he says, right now the Leafs aren't aren't there, but they can get there. 
and I think they are close or they are close to to Dave to Dave's point where they're they're a lot more deep uh, throughout the four lines and the in the the three defensive pairings than, than other teams are. So instead of looking looking at like one one person or or a couple of guys they have to add to to be impact players, they don't really need to look for those impact players. Just 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 people to to complement the rest of the lineup and uh, get the job done for them. I mean, the thing that's important with Tampa is. Obviously, the the fact that they have probably the best scouting staff in the whole league. The thing that's noticeable with Tampa is they seemingly add one or two impact rookies every single year. I mean, this year is Braden Point. Last year is Jonathan Drouin. Uh, the year before it was you know Palat, Johnson, and Kalorn. Uh, the year before that, Kucherov and you know Stamkos and Hedman and go on and on. I mean, Vasilevsky. They just they always are bringing up new guys you know now it's going to be gusev and radish and uh mitchell stevens and you know all these guys so that's that's what you're going to have to do with the leafs and i obviously we've looked at you know mark hunter's past two drafts i mean i think it's safe to say that he's probably in the past two drafts gotten maybe eight players that have the potential to be nhl regulars eight to ten maybe and and one of them I'm basing a draft off of what was done 10 months ago, which isn't even fair. <laughs> um, so that's who you're going to have to do to be like Tampa, who I don't know how they don't have a championship yet, but they seem like a team that if they don't break through, it would be a major shock to me. I mean, you know, and they're, they've been on this, you know, three or four year run and they've been to a cup final and Easter conference final in two of the past three years. So I, they're not a team I'm concerned about, but that's who I would model uh, the way you're built off right now. They're kind of equipped to do that as well when you look at what they're doing. I mean, I think it's the 2013 draft. i got to go back and look, double-check. The Marner draft, what year was that? 2015. 2015. 2015, sorry. You look at all the guys in that draft. I mean, go as deep as the seventh round, and Karosalev might pan out to something. So. They got like seven guys in that draft. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's stacked. So that could be the start of what you guys are saying with the Tampa, Tampa analogy there. So, I don't know. Optimistic, but... Cautious, optimistic still. I think that wraps it up, guys. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we go? Are we good? I think, oh, I think good. that's it. Yeah. Right. Oh, and Curry yeah. just hit an and one three, so they're up 30. Yeah, I, sh- I shut that shit off. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Toronto Maple Leafs podcast brought to you by tipofthetower.com. As always, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Morisuti. You can follow Omar on Twitter at OLW93. And you can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeMiddleton12. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll be back next week to talk about, mm, I don't know, maybe free agency or the NHL draft. Uh, we'll see if there's another signing, but we'll be back to talk about one of those three. Until then, take care. Mitch Barner. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.